tasked by God to, to speak God's words, but part of that is to enact, to, to act out something of God's love for his people. And so God goes to Hosea and says, Hosea, I want you to get married. And Hosea's face probably lights up and he thinks, fantastic, I'm going to get married. And God says, I want you to go marry one of the prostitutes. And he does. He marries this woman called Goma. They have some kids. Um, well, she has some kids. He has a kid at least with her. Uh, that, that God names the children. First one is Jezreel. It's, it's the name of, of a place where there was a great massacre. And God's saying, I've had enough of that. Um, Jezreel also means God sows. And we saw in chapter 2 that God says, actually, there's a time coming where I'm going to sow my people again, where it's going to be new, where it's going to be as it should be. They have another, or Goma has another couple of, of kids um, called Not Loved and Not My People. Uh, I say Goma because the Bible doesn't say anything about them being Hosea's kids. Uh, it's quite possible, I think, I'm inferring that maybe she's already back to her old ways. Uh, and, and again, those names, God is saying, you know, these people who say that they're mine, who live in my place, they, they're not my people. They, they're not loved. They, they, and you go, wow, that doesn't sound like God. And the truth is, God's, God's aim is to bring the people who are not loved to be the people who are loved. To bring the people who are not his people to be the people who are his people. And that, that's why we're here. Because we were not his people. We were not deserving of anything. And he chose to love us. Which is absolutely amazing. So in the story of Hosea, you just got to remember what Hosea is doing is like a miniature version of... Hosea is like a miniature actor representing God. Uh, and, and Goma is, is an actor representing in miniature God's people, particularly Israel. Uh, Hosea lived in the northern kingdom. If you know your Old Testament history, that God's people had one united kingdom under King David. Uh, things went south after Solomon... David's son, the kingdom split in two. The northern kingdom said, no thank you, we will not follow the, the line of David. We'll set up our own kings. They set up their own places of worship. They set up their own idols. They, they put up golden calves and says, look people, these are the gods that saved you from Egypt. And God wasn't happy and there was all sorts of kings. And eventually, sometime after Hosea, the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom is destroyed. So let's read together. Wayne, can you put up the, uh, the next one down, the NIV? Uh, we'll read the NIV version today, just because it, uh, it, New Living Translation is brilliant, but it does, unfortunately, sometimes simplify it a little bit. And um, I think the ironic humor is best brought out in the NIV. Hosea, chapter 3. The Lord said to me, Go, show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, although they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me for many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I'll behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household guards. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. 
It's one of those really short chapters, but it's short and sharp and sweet. So by the time we come to Hosea chapter 3, Hosea and Gomer have been married for quite a few years, uh, technically, but we meet her here, she's totally gone off the rails. She's, she's uh, living with another man, she's maybe um, ended up back as a prostitute, she's maybe just you know, shacked up with someone. It's also possible that she's ended up enslaved with someone, maybe in even sexual slavery to this man. She's not in a good place. She is in a place where at least the initial steps, she chose to go there. And if, if you were Hosea, I suspect many of us would be quite happy that actually we were done with her. And then God turns up. And this is a story of heroic love. Love that, that stretches out again to the absolutely unlovely. I mean, why does God love like that? 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says that, that God is not willing for any to perish. God doesn't want any people to die. He, he doesn't want it. He wants everyone to come to repentance. John 3.16, the famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Again, why does God love like that? Because he wants us not to perish. 1 John. Chapter 4 verse 16. God is love. We know how much God loves us. We've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. This is who God is. Why does God love like this? Because God is love. God is lovely. God is loving. God is the one who in his very nature selflessly gives himself out. God is the one who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Exodus chapter 34, uh, Moses, when he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt, where God has just rescued them with incredible power, Moses says to God, no, show me yourself. I need, I need to know that you're with me. God, uh, show me your glory. And God makes uh, Moses stand in a place and, and, and he passes by and listen to some of what he calls out to Moses. He says, the Lord, the Lord. Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger. I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. I don't excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parent. I I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the four, third and fourth generations. And you think of that. That's a little bit unfair, isn't it? But you think about what happens when, when, when people sin. The, the effects of that last for a while. But the contrast in Exodus 34 is between I show unfailing love to thousands of generations as opposed to three or four. You're meant to go, oh, that's measly compared to God's love. God's love is amazing. It is unfailing. It stretches beyond the bounds of what we might call reasonableness. Because there's nothing reasonable about God's love. God's love is extravagant. 
So God goes and says, Hosea, I want you to go and love your wife again. That must have been so hard for Hosea. When Gomer had trashed his heart. She had trampled his reputation. She had, in everything that she said and did, shouted out loudly for Hosea and the world to hear, you are not enough for me. For Hosea to go back and, and love Gomer again would be to open up those emotional wounds that had just started scabbing over. It was to risk being hurt again. Some of us can maybe associate with how Hosea was feeling. But I think if the truth be out, the person that I am most like in this circumstance is Gomer. Is Hosea's wife. I've hurt people. Maybe not in the same way exactly as Gomer here. This is a unique story, but I've hurt people. I have willfully rejected God. Verse 1 really captures the sadness of the story. Love is used four or five times in those verses, and, and love has got all those different meanings in Hebrew as it does for us as well, but... God's love that reaches to the unlovely. And what is it compared to? Raisin cakes. Now I know the NIV says sacred raisin cakes. They put that in there to make us understand it's quite possible that raisin cakes were probably related to some sort of religious festival. But the original just says... God's love, raisin cakes. That's why I read from the NIV because the NLT makes it even clearer for us that this is probably idolatry and it speaks about them worshipping idols, loving idols. But the, the irony of it all, this love that loves so deep, that loves so far, and the one that it is reaching to love is just busy munching raisins. Isn't that so sad? We love raisins. This is a story of exchanging a love that will not let you go for the temporary enjoyment of some sweet, dried, dead fruit that once you've eaten it is gone if we sin does God still love us if we run after other things does God still love us 
Sky Jatani is a fantastic author. I highly recommend him to you guys. He tells a story in his book um, with, of, of going to some, some uh, college students, so some early uni, upper high school students. He's having a chat with them. And they, he says to them, uh, just, just let me know, how do you think God feels about you when you are sinning? And they go around the circle and the answers are the answers that probably we would give. He's disappointed in me. He's sad. It makes him upset. God's not happy with me when I sin. And Sky Jatani says, you know what the really interesting thing is going through? All of the people that he asked, not one of them said, when I'm sinning, God loves me. Because you see, that's the kind of love that we are having described to us here. Even in our darkest moment, God loves us. It doesn't mean he lets us, you know, get away with it. It doesn't mean that he's happy with it, but God's love for us is unshakable. God loves all of us. And the day when Jesus returns is going to be a wonderful day for us because we will see him as he is. But I can't help but imagine how broken God's heart is going to be on that day. Full of joy at all the people that have turned to him, but so broken at all those people who never knew him. Who when he reached out to them in love and said, come home, ran the other direction. Chasing after cakes of raisin. Temporary thrills. God graciously wants to again love us. There is no depth that we can have gone that God will not love us. What's even more amazing is that God takes the initiative to love us. Notice that God goes to Hosea and says, Hosea, go and love your wife again. 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 Even though she is living with another bloke. Even though she is committing adultery. Even though right now she doesn't deserve your love. Even though she has spurned your love, go to her. And that's what God does. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now I know that there will be some people sitting here, I know that there are some people sitting here today who have experienced something like Hosea. And I can... You can probably... Feel the emotions. How hard this must have been for him to go to this person, the spouse who had betrayed him. But I suspect also that all of us have had a, a lesser experience of this sort of pain. People who have hurt us so badly that we just don't want to have them near us. Thank you very much. 
perhaps it's family members. A harsh word spoken or perhaps taken as harsh and they either they or we just don't want to be near them anymore. No more. Perhaps perhaps it's a fellow Christian who has who has so offended you that you just don't want to be near them ever again. Perhaps it's a spouse. I get it. People do horrible things. And again, hear me, hear me well. I'm not saying that we should just excuse everything that happens. God doesn't do that. But can you hear the pain of God? Think of the pain that you felt. That person that has hurt you so much. And magnified a hundred thousand times. Multiply it by six billion people today. I don't know how many trillion over the course of history. Who is your goma? Who's the person that popped into your head? If there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, if there's some sin or something wrong that needs to be dealt with, um, yeah, that needs to be dealt with. But who's the person who popped into your head? Who's the person that you're trying to keep out of your head when you read verse 1 where God says, Go again. Now, I, I get it again. Sometimes it's not wise to put yourself back into a dangerous situation. I've heard of uh, people whose spouses have beaten them up. I'm not saying go again and submit to that. that that's not what the Bible says. But by the same token, who is a person who needs to know God's love? I can't do this, Nick. Make a really good movie, this, wouldn't it? Makes a good book. Make a good movie. Hosea, this man, hurts so much, wakes up one morning and realizes, I love my wife still. I will go and purchase her. I will buy her back to myself because my love for her cannot be contained. Be a really nice romantic movie. It's just not what happened. Hosea, I doubt very much that he was enthusiastic when God said to him, first of all, go and marry her, and secondly, go and, go and love her again. This isn't Hosea taking the initiative. This is God saying, Hosea, I want you to do this because this is what I do for you. This is about God's love. And God's love shapes Hosea's love and his life. And, and I think God still does that for us today. He says to us, Nick, I love you so much. Who are you showing that love to even though you don't want to? It could be little things. 
I've mentioned before that my grandmother and my aunt, my aunt, my uncle, my grandmother and my uncle, before she died, they, they spent many, many, many months, perhaps even years, not talking because they disagreed about the Roe Highway extension. And we laugh, we go, ha, ha, ha. But there are many people like that. Sometimes it's big stuff. Sometimes the journey to go love again is one that takes a long time. And it's one that we can only ever go on if God is going with us. But the thing is, I think Hosea says, God says, this is what I do. If you are following me, if you are imitating me, don't, don't be stupid, but go love. I said to someone recently um, who had a, a friend whose husband had beaten them up again. I, I said to them, you know what? Sometimes love means actually going to the police. It's not loving to let someone keep on doing that, but, but it's also not loving to just ignore it. Loving means acting for the best of that person. And that's what God does. That's what he tells Hosea to do. And, and it's the kind of love that is costly. For Hosea to go and love his wife again wasn't just a matter of you know, saying, fine, come on home. It was about acting. It was about spending. It, it, rescuing a relationship always comes at a cost. We don't know why Hosea had to buy his wife. Maybe she was a slave to someone. Maybe she had just racked up debts that she couldn't pay. Fifteen pieces of silver, a whole bunch of grain. Uh, some people reckon that, that this is probably about 30 shekels. 30 pieces of silver. I've heard that somewhere else before. I, I don't think there's an exact parallel there, but the cost of betrayal and Hosea pays it. And to love those who have betrayed us always costs. And for God to love us costs. Not just coinage, not just grainage, but Jesus on the cross. Could we throw 1 John chapter 4 up there, Wayne? 1 John chapter 4 verses 10 to 12 says this. This is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And His love is brought to full expression in us. It's a lovely story, isn't it? Hosea going and rescuing his wife, bringing her home, showing her love. But one of the things I've been sort of laboring a bit today is that love doesn't mean just saying, okay, you're back now. Because Hosea calls on Goma, his wife, to actually change. We see this in verse uh, 3 uh, and verse 4 of Hosea. It says over here, um, I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. 
During this time you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. That, that last bit is hard to translate. It could be, uh, I'll be the same to you. Um, verse 4 carries on. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, even idols. Hosea goes to his wife that he's just paid for and says to her, you know what, things have to change here. You, you have to stop being a prostitute. You have to stop sleeping around. I, I, I think he's saying in effect, all these guys that you've been chasing, no more of that. You've got to stay with me for a long time. You've got to sort of reset yourself. This is now who you are. Be who you are. And verse 4, we're told how this applies to Israel, to God's people. God would, would cut off all the things that they had thought made life better than just being with God. People who are rescued need a clean break from all the things of a tainted life. And, and I know that sometimes that's, that's easier said than done, but think of it this way. If someone is an alcoholic... You don't put the drinks cabinet in their bedroom. Can you separate them from it forever? No. They live in a world where people drink. See, these things listed in verse 4 there, kings, princes, Ephods, which is like the robe, the, the, the thing worn by the priests. Sacred pillars, they're a bit dodgy. Um, all these things, some of them are good. But they'd all become more important than actually hanging out with God. As stupid as it sounds... They'd become as if my marriage was all about this ring. Isn't it a beautiful ring? It's so round. It's so perfect. It represents so much. No, uh, but I actually never speak to Taryn. It's ridiculous. God's saying these, good, these things, some of them good, let, let, let cut them off. They've been twisted to evil. When we are rescued by God, when we're rescued by Jesus, it's not just a case of adding Jesus to everything that is already in our life. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 uh, say to us, basically, we have died to sin. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful kindness, his grace? Of course not. We've died to sin. How can we keep on living in it? We can't just add Jesus into a life. Jesus comes along and says, I want to renovate. I want to change things around. I want to wipe the slate clean. I want to remove all those old support systems that you thought gave your life meaning and purpose. He does it slowly. Sometimes. But God wants us to learn to rely on Him. But He doesn't just say, rely on me. He doesn't just say, I'm going to cut you off. God also says, I'm doing this because I want things to be good.
you've been eating Hungry Jacks for so long. Let's stop the Hungry Jacks. And man, oh man, when you eat the gourmet meal by the five-star Michelin chef, going to be good some translations imply in verse 3 of Hosea chapter 3 that that even um, Hosea wouldn't be intimate with Goma Um, love this relationship for them it was more than just about physical intimacy it love is always more than that and our translations imply that this is just the permanent state of affairs for this marriage with her almost just like a locked away forever. I can't be dogmatic, but I can say that I suspect that the many days of them not being intimate would have come to an end. There was a time, I think, when Hosea and Gomer's relationship was fully restored. At a time when the idea of what she had been was unthinkable. Why do I think this? I think this because of Hosea chapter 3 verse 5 where God speaks about his people. God anticipates Israel, his people, returning to him. Not just being cut off from their support systems, but returning to him the way that they were always meant to be. No longer relying on kings and princes and all these other things, but longing for the Lord their God and David their king. And remember, this is the northern kingdom, people who had said, we want nothing to do with David, God's promised king, the one who is going to be in charge of all peoples. And here God says, there will come a time when even you will come to me and you will say, we want you God and we want the one that you want to be in charge. You are our rescuer. You are our king. Who is King David? King David, the heir of David, the throne of David. Jesus. Who stepped into the world, who died, not just to cut us off from the false gods that we chase after. But to, but to bring us to the point where verse 5 says, we come to the Lord trembling. We come to His blessings, recognizing that He is God and that He is awesome. God has acted to save us. All of us have someone who has hurt us, but all of us are people who have hurt others. And all of us are people who have spurned God's love. And even at the point of our worstness, God loved us. Romans 5 verse 20 Paul writes and says, When we had got our act together enough, God sent His Son to die for us. Have I misread that? 
Romans 5 verse 8. While we were still sinners. Not when we had got our act together. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still shacked up with whatever we replaced God with, Christ died for us. Sin might abound. This is Romans 5 verse 20. Sin might abound, but God's grace super, super, super abounds. Becomes more abundant. God's love isn't blind. He knows everything about us. He comes into our lives and he starts renovating. He starts transforming us. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Don't be conformed. Don't be made to be like the world. But be transformed. How? By God renewing your mind. By spending time with the one who has rescued you. And has paid for you. And has set you free. From the places where we went ourselves. And so the challenge of Hosea is twofold. It says, if you are one who belongs to Christ, how are you showing God's love to people who have hurt you? But the other one to us is saying to us, you are the one who has betrayed God. Have you returned? Where do you still need to return? When you see how things you look to for life cannot give you life, when God robs them of their pleasures, when He removes us from our supports, supports, just we need to realize, I think says Hosea, that He does this because He loves us and has so much better in store for us. May we, like the Israelites, as God's people, return and seek the Lord our God and David our King. May we come to Him with trembling and to his blessings in the last days. Brothers and sisters, God loves you. And we don't deserve it. But he loves us. Come home. Amen.